Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I'm just going to go right into the Word. Is that all right? Can I just, can I just jump right in? Judges chapter 6 verse 11 says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Azarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midians. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. Wine press is kind of a hidden, it's kind of covered, it's kind of, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press, you thresh wheat out where the wind can blow it. But he had put himself in a place where there was no wind. He had put himself in a place, and the only way to thresh wheat in the ancient of times was to beat it and throw it into the wind and let the wind remove the light stuff and let the core of the fruit fall to the ground. You can't do that in an enclosed section. A press is something you squeeze the grape to get the juice, but he has gone into hiding in order to harvest some bread. How many times have you ever gone into hiding hoping you could get a little something? People go into hiding and he's trying to keep it from the Midianites. Say with him, I'm trying to keep it. Oh, come on, you're going to talk back to me. Say, I'm trying to keep it. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Have you ever had anybody say, why did God let that happen? Every time I turn around, someone goes, why did God do that? If God's so good, why? Did God let this happen to us? Where are all the wonders or miracles, I think the NIV says. Where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us. Abandoned. You know how many people feel abandoned by God? Feel abandoned. Because grandma told them about what happened in the 40s, but they ain't never seen none of it themselves. And if you had never seen the miracles, of course, we got a whole religious church system that's trying to keep us from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And only through the experience of the raw presence of God are people going to be able to deal with the challenges of life. So America, wake up and realize that we need to rediscover the power and the purpose of the movement of the Holy Spirit. But we have reduced church to some sort of social gathering where we give three points so that you feel motivated about your weak life, or we've turned it into to a seminary where we're trying to tell you about seminary issues that have no impact on your life when the truth of the matter is the church is supposed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that ordinary people can do extraordinary things by the influence of the presence of God that is now in our lives. Say with me, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are those miracles? But now the Lord has abandoned us. I think we have abandoned the Lord. I think we've abandoned the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. I think we've abandoned the potentiality of the Holy Spirit working through flesh. I think we've abandoned being spirit-filled. I think we've abandoned that because we want to now intellectually with our gray matter understand something that's beyond our comprehension. The Lord turned to him. This is such an interesting play on words. The angel of the Lord came and said, delivered the message, and Gideon questions the messenger, and when he questions the messenger, the angel of the Lord does not answer, but the Lord. I just want you to understand that if you hear an angelic voice, the Lord is probably closer than you think. The angel delivers the message, but the Lord answers the question. 
the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. I could just go off on that. Some of you waiting to get more strength. You just wait until you feel stronger. Wait until you feel better. Wait until you get out of that depression and out of that mess. You're waiting. You're the one that said you don't have enough strength to do that. The Lord said, go and what you got. Because if you do with what you got, I'll save Israel. All I need is for you to use the little bit that you got, and I'll save the whole nation. If you'll just get up off your hiney and do All you got to do is just shuffle to the door. If you just shuffle to the door, I'll empower because I've chose the weak things of the world to confound the wise. I don't need people to have great strength in themselves. I don't even need people who feel strong about themselves. I just need people who can hear me when I say, go. I could preach all day on that, Cindy. We just said, go. Nine weeks later, she's gone. (laughs) Fifteen and a half years later, here she is. Go, go. Bye, go. Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And I am I not sending you. But Lord, you ever argued with God? But, I've been going to write this book about all our buts. But Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I'm the smallest. I'm the lowest. I'm the worst. I'm no good. I'm too tall. I'm too fat. I'm the least. I'll be with you anyway. I know you're ugly. <laughs> and you'll strike down all. Say strike down. Strike Say with me, we're going to strike it down. Strike all of hell is joined against us, but we're going to strike it down because hell cannot prevail against the people that can hear the voice of God. Amen. Gideon, get up. Come out of that wine press. And Gideon said, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really, that you're really talking to me. Verse 18, please do not go away until I come back and bring you my offering and set it before you. And Anita, who was it? Someone just talked to me about waiting. Who was it just talked to me about waiting? Who was that? Who just come here about, we've been waiting on God. No, no, it was Lyndon, first service. And we waiting on God. And the Lord says, I'm waiting on you. You waiting on God. And God said, I'm going to be right here. I've said my piece. Now I'm waiting on you to respond to what I said. You know, God, you're waiting on God. God's already done what he's going to do. He's come to you. He's already come to you. While the whole world is waiting on God, God just standing there waiting on you to hear what he already said. He's already told you he's going to use you to kick the snot out of somebody. Oh, well, you didn't get it. I won't preach on Judges 6, but before I can preach on this text, I have to give you the context that contains the text. I'm really frustrated with Christians who pull a text out of context and use the text to mean something it doesn't mean, because every text is placed within the context, and you have to have the context to understand the specific text. Pictures, beautiful pictures deserve frames. I I mean, I've stood with Annie while she picked out frames. I said, why are we doing this? She said, because that picture is important. You put a pretty frame that draws attention to the picture. You put a context. You see, you can't understand the text without the context. You have to have the framework. And if I'm going to give you the the context, I have to just start with the subject God. Say God. God. No, you didn't say it right. God. I got it. It's a big God. God alone is God, and besides him there is no God other. 
God, this God that created the heavens and the earth, this God who controls all things with his language, this God who is El Shaddai more than enough, this God who is Jehovah Jireh, this God who, 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 who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, this God who is our healing, our sanctifier, this God can never be impeached, overrun, overruled. He is the God of the universe. He's the God that puts breath in your lungs, that makes your heart beat while you're asleep. He's the God that let you drive here this morning while you were thinking about something else. He's the God that regulates everything in your life. This God is bigger than the universe. He's bigger than the heavens of the earth. The question is, is where do I find him? Where is he? If I'm in this mess, where is the God that delivered us out of Israel? Where is the God that delivered us out of Pharaoh? Where is this God of miracles? Where is he? Good question. Where is this God? I've, I've had the answer for you. He's in eternity. He is in eternity. 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 He lives in eternity. He's ageless. He's timeless. He has and always will be. He is eternal. He knows no age. God is not in a hurry because there's no time. There's no alarm. God is eternal. He always has been. He always will be. You and I live in time. He does not live in time. Eternity transcends time. You need to understand me. Time is the matrix with inside of eternity. God created time, but he's not subject to time. He was there before the first day. He was there before he ever spoke. He was there before there was a calendar. He was there before there was an Apple Watch. Can I tell you something? He was there before TikTok. He was there before Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. He was there before your birthday. He will be there in the evening, in the morning. He was there before the sun rose and before the sun set down. He was there while the, before the moon was dazzling against the dark sky. He's there before. He lives in eternity. He's not contained within time nor space. He was there before there was an angel. He was there before there was a choir. He was there before you were here to acknowledge that he was there. God is a big context. Eternity. God alone is God, and besides Him, there is no other. And if you don't get this down in your spirit, you're never going to understand birthdays. If you don't get this down in your spirit, your prayer life will go kaput. If you don't understand that God is bigger and exists beyond time, after time, before time, if you don't understand, He doesn't have to rush to get through the stoplight. He doesn't have to hurry up at all. Eternity supersedes time. Time is the child of eternity. Time is the fruit, if you will, of eternity. Eternity created time. The celestial created the terrestrial. The divine created the human. The supernatural created the natural. In the beginning was God. And God created it. Us. All of it. Before it was, he is. He says, I am that I am. Not I was or I will be, but I am. He is eternal. Where is God? David said he's from everlasting to everlasting. Where is this God? He's in eternity. He's in eternity. You, if, he, if God moves here, he moves over there. If he moves here, he moves there because he's everywhere. You can't confine God to a time. You have to understand as far as you can look back and as far as you can look forward, there's God. He's eternal. Hmm. See, if you don't get this, you don't understand that before the foundation of the world, 
Christ was crucified. Before there ever was us, before there ever was a thought of us, Christ was crucified, that he chose us before the foundation, before he began in eternity. And eternity never changes. If it was eternity before, it's eternity then. If it was eternity then, it's eternity then. We're just living in this time between eternity. We're lost in time. But God is eternal. Where is he? See, you, you need to an, understand this. If you ask a question, it's already answered in eternity. If you ask God to do something now, he's already done it in eternity. You're already healed. You're, you're, you're already provided for. You're, there are no wheelchairs in eternity. Eternity has all the answers and we're suspended in time in the midst of this eternity that God holds everything in the palm of his hand. Where is he? He's in eternity. It's his address. It's where he lives. In that eternity that's unseen. He, he, he created you and gave us an address. It's called time. I talked to Fred this morning. He's going to be 90 in September. Do you know the older you get, the more you have to say. It's true. The older I get, the less restraint I have. The older I get, the more I care less about what you think. Because I'm running out of time. The older I get, the more often I say I love you. Because I don't ever want, am I making any sense? See, the older you and I get, the more we rush. God doesn't have to rush because he's eternal. He lives in eternity. We live in time he is always present yesterday, today, and forever. We like to say that yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same. Can I just tell you something? He is in yesterday, today, and forever. It's not about his character. It's about his eternal being. It's who he is. He's eternal. It's where he's at. This eternal God. In reality, he is in all three at the same time. That he's not restricted. That if he does something in this time, he's doing something in that time. That if he does it in this time, he's the only guy I know that can play rhythm in all kinds of time. I like to say that's my problem. Never mind. My son's always telling me you're never on time. I'm thinking, yeah, only in your world. In my world, I'm right on time. God is eternal. He, he, he can say something yesterday in effect tomorrow. He can say something today and affect yesterday. He can say because time doesn't limit him. The Ecclesiastes writer says that there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to uproot, a time to pull down, a time to gather, a time to kiss, a time to embrace. And then in verse 11 he says he's made everything beautiful in its own time. Can I tell you something? If God looks at you in the time that you're in, he just says, that's beautiful. Everything. Whatever mess you're in right now, God says is beautiful. What you say is ugly, God says is beautiful. They said the cross was ugly. He said it's beautiful. God looks at every challenge. He looks at every cell. He looks at every uh, uh, turmoil that you're going through. He said, it's beautiful because out of that time, I want to make everything beautiful. If you understood that all things work together for your good, you'd understand that even the bad is good. That even the worst of times is good because God knows how to deliver you out of the limitations of time. 
He knows how to deliver you out of the limitations of space and time. He made everything beautiful in its own time and he set eternity in your heart. Where is God? He's in eternity. Where is eternity? It's in your heart. The kingdom of God is within. Eternity is in you. When he breathed his breath in you in the beginning, he's in there. There's more on the inside of you than you have ever known. Every moment, encounter I've ever had with God, there was something on the inside of me that leapt. I didn't know what it was, but you see, God has placed eternity. You know that you know that you're dissatisfied with this time. Every one of you are dissatisfied with this time. Nothing in this time and space continuum will ever bring satisfaction to us because it cannot answer or respond to the desire for eternity that's on the inside of us. This world is not my home. It has nothing that I own and nothing that I need because I have been designed for eternity. I was designed by eternity. I will live in eternity. Eternity is within me. It's just covered up by an ego that's, oh, sorry. It's just been covered up by the abuses. It's just been covered up by the excuses. It's just been covered up by the experiences of this time to the degree that I have forgotten that there is eternity. He said, I said eternity into the hearts of men, but it can't be discovered by themselves. They'll never discover it on their own. They'll never be able to figure it out on their own. We're just kind of lost in time. Right? We're just kind of lost in space. How many people do I know that just kind of go through the motions of life? Just kind of lost in time, unaware that there's something eternal on the inside of their mundane, ordinary life. And they just kind of go through the motions, frustrated, bored. Come on, it's the second week of summer. Your children are already bored. That's why you spend $500 for an iPhone that's not connected to call anybody because it's a miniature TV that keeps them entertained rather than allowing them to experience the disgust of not knowing who they are. You need to let people marinate in their disgust and their disappointment and their disillusionment. You need to let your children simmer in that reality that they don't need to be entertained by outside experiences, but they need to discover the eternal one that's on the inside. Turn that crap off. Pastor, you're not on Facebook as much. It's because I'm in person, dingy. I'm in person. I'm in person. Face to face kind of thing. Go out to eat and take your iPhone. You paid 30 bucks for that steak and you're too busy doing this to enjoy the steak. Why don't we get together? Because you're bringing that phone. Now, I'm doing this better than you're clapping. I just want you to know. God is my context. In the beginning, Genesis is my context. He created. In fact, if you read it in the Hebrew, he recreated. He did it again. So it had happened. He just did it again. You think there was only one creation story multiple times. He redid it again. Say again. Say before. There was something before creation. There was something before 
I can't imagine what it was, but he's before creation because he was before we were created. So then there was some, he's creating something out of nothing. And it says he knew me before. I was in him before, before he created, before in eternity past. That's a, it's an oxymoron. It's operaformatic. I can't even say it. It's when you take a human construct and imply it on a divine reality that you can't explain because there is no past in eternity but the only way I can describe eternity that was before me is to say it was my eternity past before he created me I was with him before your mom knew your dad I was with him before say before before I messed my life up before religion said I had to do this to earn that Before religion came along and said, only those that do this get to go there. I came from the there that you're talking about. I want you to understand I came from eternity. I'm going back to eternity. He called me out of eternity and created me in time. But I have news for you. What's in me is going on. You've allowed the world to define you by your existence in time. And you can't be defined by time. You have to be defined by the one that created you out of stuff that nobody knows. Am I making any sense to anybody? Are you willing to go beyond? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 1 verse 4, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb of your mother, I knew you. How could you know something that had no form? How can you know something that has no form? Can I just suggest to you he has no form? He's bodiless, odorless, Never mind. Better, better back out of that. <laughs> I could play with that. I, the preach could come on that, and I could go, never mind. Before I formed you, before you took shape, I knew you. Before your life was set in Kansas, before all of that, before you were born, I set you apart to be different. And your problem is, is you've been trying to fit into a world that doesn't like you the way you are. You've been trying to fit into people and they can't fit into that. And you're trying to find your place and there's only one place and it's the one he made. You can't fit into that space because you don't fit into this space. You fit into a bigger space and and he has prepared a place and you keep trying to fit into people that don't know who they are. And you're letting other people who don't know who they are try to tell you who you are and you just become wholly dissatisfied because he knew you from eternity past. He sets you apart. That's why so many people spend 20 years of their life trying to figure out who they are. Let me save everybody under the age of 25, maybe 40, a lot of work. Ask God. Amen. He knew you before. Quit asking her in the back seat. Ask God. Quit asking him when he's doing stuff he shouldn't. Listen, if you knew who you were, you wouldn't have gotten that back seat. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't have bought that stuff. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't have done that because you'd have known who you were and what you bought and who you were with doesn't add anything to who you are. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. We get into a mess because we don't remember who we were. But he knew me and he knows me and I can ask him and he can speak to me. That's why when he calls us, I recognize his voice. 
Because he put eternity down in there and he knew me before he created me so that when he called, because my sheep know my voice. So, pastor, why have you had encounters? Because I knew that voice. He, down in here, somewhere, he said Quentin, and I was in an Izuzu pickup in Wichita, and I had to pull over because that voice, that voice that called Samuel at nine, that voice that speaks to Peter, that voice that speaks to Saul, that voice that the prophet heard, that voice that says you're more than who you think you are. There's a destiny that I've propelled for you. And, I, and, there, and all of a sudden you're gripped because you could hear and recognize that voice. Listen to me. I've lived in a community of people for 62 and a half years and they want to quote me the Bible but they do not know the voice of the one that spoke it. They take the scriptures and they use it to prove their egotistical religious points and they don't know the voice of the one. You know your scripture, but you don't know him who wrote it. I recognize his voice. He knew me. He knew me. That voice. That's what being lost is really. It's when you're lost because you don't know. You just don't know. You don't really know who you are. And so you're trying to figure that out. See, this is all about remembering. That's why in a few moments I'm going to turn around this table and I'm going to say, remember. Because if you can remember who you are, if you just remember, it'll change your... He chose me in him before the foundation of the world. Chose me. Say with me, I'm chosen. Set apart. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works all, everything. Hmm. See, he chose us in him. He knew us before, and then he sent us into time. Sent us into time. We're the first apostles. We're the apostles out of eternity into time. He sent us into time. God wanted a body. The invisible God who had no form wanted a form, so he formed you. God couldn't be seen, so he formed you, so he could be seen. You became the image of the invisible God. So God who had no form formed you and said you will represent me. So to know God is to know his form. So the body of Christ formed out of many members brought together. You want to know God, you know God by his people who are formed in his image. And we've forgotten who we are. We're forgotten that God lives in the midst of us. We've forgotten that the reason we exist is because God wanted to be seen and known. We've forgotten that we've come from and are going back to. We've forgotten that we were chosen to reveal, to make known. So Christ came in the form of a man, the prototype of all humanity, so that he could reveal who God is like. And there are still images of God in this room to make known who God is like. That he heals the sick, raises the dead, that he forgives people. That he turns the other cheek, goes the second mile, that he cares about the last, the lowest, and the least. That he's not the pagan God that we've made him to be. But that he's a God beyond all time. Hmm. That every pagan God is a reduction of this eternal one. He is the most holy, the most high, the El Shaddai. Hallelujah. Romans 8 says something like this, for whom God foreknew. Say, say he, he knew us before. 
Those who he knew before he predestined, he gave you a destiny. Say, I have a destiny. There's a plan for my life. If he knew me before, he had a plan for this time. He didn't just know me before and then drop me into this thing called Quentin and go, good luck. He didn't just form you and then drop you into that sack of bones and go, have fun with that. No, if he knew you before, he put you in you because he has a purpose and a plan for you being here. And what the enemy does is deceive us into believing that we're less than who we are so that we just get stuck in this thing wondering why we're here. And we think it's about going to work to get enough money to buy a bowl of beans, to have enough energy to get up and go back to work, get enough money to buy another bowl of beans, to get up and go back to work. And, and we produce 2.3 kids and buy a house or two, and then we die. And we waste the moment that we have to reveal the invisible God through the form that he has given us. Am I making any sense? Look at your neighbor and say, you matter. As insignificant as you think you are, as small as you think you are, as lost as you think you are, God predestined you to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those who He predestined, He calls. See, He'll drop you into that sack of bones, put you in Hutchinson, Kansas, and let you be, have amnesia. And you won't remember who you were before you were born. And He'll just drop you there and put you in hiding. And then he'll call you. Everybody wants to know, how did you know you were called? How do you know you're not? Amen. Listen, every believer is called. Everybody wants to say, I was called to preach. Baloney, I was just called. When he called my name, I, I didn't think about preaching. In fact, when he started talking about preaching, I, 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 I what? Me, Lord? I can't do that. My 10-year class reunion, they're still going, what? <laughs> See, he'll drop you in there, but you'll have no memory of who you really are. Bam, and you're in that bones. Some of them's tall, some of them's skinny, some of them blue-eyed, some of them green. But he calls us. I had no way of remembering, but he calls me. See, then in that calling, he makes known the mystery. Do you know you're a mystery? My God, I'm a mystery. My kids are still trying to figure out what kind of... I'm a mystery. I'm a mystery even to myself. I, I'm the last one to know who I am. Yeah. It's true. I, I, I live in this mystery. I'm I, I just caught in that... Say with me, I was known before by God. And God dropped me into time and I didn't know who I was. And the Amalekites are coming. The Amalekites are mean suckers. The Amalekites just read the scriptures and you'll find out they brutal people. They come in and kill the women, kill the children, drag them off. They'll do anything to ter terrorists. They'll terrorize you. They'll lob stuff at you. They'll break down your car, blow up your water heater. I mean, they'll, they'll rob you from here. And they'll, they'll just begin to annihilate you one slice at a time. They are brutal people. And they made a pact with the Midianites. 
who are jealous of the Israelites? Do you know that your haters will join forces to hate you and they won't even like themselves, but they'll gang up on you? They can't get along themselves, but they hate the image of God. They hate Israel, and they don't even know why they hate Israel, but they hate Israel, and they are coming to destroy. They're coming to kill you. The people that don't like you will hate you. It's tough to live in a world of haters. They hate people because they ain't like them. They hate people because we can't just be on one side of an issue and the other side of the issue. We have to hate the people on the other side of the issue. Listen to me, America. You stop hating people that think different than you do. They just think different. They just have a different opinion. They don't have to be evil. You don't have to hate them. Haters hate. Lovers love. And haters hate lovers. Hmm. You, uh, this is not in the message. This is kind of for free. You know, there are different kinds of friends. There are friends that, they're friends because you give them an advantage. It's to their advantage to know you. Right? And sometimes it's to your advantage to know them. Not all bad. And then there are those friends and they, they, you give them pleasure. As long as you give them pleasure, they're your friend. As long as there's an advantage, they're your friend. But then there's a friendship that's virtuous. I have a few of these. And they care about me. And me becoming the image of God. Me discovering all that I am. And I'm for them. Discovering all that they are. And that, those kinds of friendships are holy friendships. They're, 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 some friendships are carnal, some friendships are worldly, and some friendships are spiritual. And, and the Midianites wanted to kill them. They, they, they wanted to take advantage of them. In some ways, the commentaries say they just want to kill them for pleasure. That's just, and they're coming, and, the, and, and Gideon is hiding in a wine press, and he is trying to fix himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So he has snuck out of hiding, and he has got a harvest, and he's taken his harvest back into the wine press, and he's, trying, he's beaten that wheat, trying to get some fruit out of that wheat. And when the angel shows up, he goes, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, so supposedly God did something back there, but where is he now? Where is, you've abandoned us. And he's sitting in this pit, beat up, scared, hiding his, have you ever hidden your harvest? You ever, you ever been blessed in the midst of a war? I mean, right in the middle of all heck breaking loose, you, you reaped a little thing. You had a little bit. But you knew that if you had a little bit, and you let anybody else know you had a little bit, that they might join that group. I mean, let me put it in words. You ever had them shoes but didn't wear them out where anybody could see them? Mm-hmm. You ever buy that car, but you didn't really want your cousin Joe to know you had a new car? You know, 
You bought a house, but you told everybody you was leasing it because you didn't really want anybody to know how favored you were in the midst of a war. Oh, come on, somebody. See, it's, people will accept you losing more than they will accept you winning. Particularly if there's Amalekites out there trying to kill everybody and you got lunch. Nobody else got lunch, but you got lunch. You know how to reap a harvest even in the midst of a famine. I found out the hard way. And I've been here seven years or so, and we, we moved into a house, and 30 people left the church. 30, because we built a house. <laughs> you think I'm making this up. No, I ain't making it up. I built a house. See, you ever had to hide your harvest? You ever had to hide the fact that you were favored? Gideon is hiding in a wine press trying to get a lunch. I'm going to put it this way. You, you ever have to dumb down who you really are so you don't challenge those that you're with? You ever, you ever have to not try to be quite as bright as you are so that you don't make other people feel as dumb as they appear? I mean, it, it, you ever had to dumb it down at work so the boss wouldn't be, I think, you hired me, you want me to be stupid? <laughs> I get tickled as a preacher. Somebody go, you sure do use big words, I can't understand. You want me to use dumb words? <laughs> I mean, you want me to use my vocabulary or you want me to just use four-letter words? I mean, I'm telling you, I, I see a culture out there that doesn't have enough sense to use anything other than four-letter words. That's sad to be made in the image and let, uh, uh, of God, but you can't find the language. Oh, well. He's in the wine press. He's angry. Malachites, who are you been? I'm in eternity. What are you doing? Why, not? Why aren't you helping us? Let me answer that. Why are we in the mess when? I can tell you why. God will never overrule your choices. He'll never overrule your choices. I, there's times people talking to me and I think, yeah, I, I've preached that for 30 years. Now you want a private session? <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you in the private what I'm telling you in the public. I'm telling you in book what I tell you in private. I'm, it's your choices. Yeah, but I didn't make those choices. Yeah, but collectively and corporately as a nation we did. And many times we sit silently by by those choices being made and we're the ones that put that stuff in the river and we're the ones that, am I making any sense? Yeah. Why? Because Israel had forgotten they're the people of God. Because Israel had forgotten who they were, the chosen of God. And because they had forgotten who they were, God was using their enemies to remind them. Could I just suggest that God uses enemies to remind you of who you are? That God will use the crap that you're going through to remind you to discover that there's more to you than you ever thought there was. That in fact you're the answer that you've been looking for. That hidden inside of you is a warrior. But they're in this transition. They're in this wine press. And they're in a, it's unstable when you're going through some of that stuff, right? You're kind of unstable. I go to my son and I'll say, son, it, it hurts right here. Right, right there. Can you, can you put me on that bench and can you push on that? Can you 
can you put that back in place? And he goes, yeah, in a minute. And he goes in the other side of that room and he pulls out this big plastic ball. And he says, sit on that ball. Have you ever tried to sit on a, you've never seen them? I can give you his address. And this chiropractor puts me on this ball and he said, now I want you to roll around on that ball. Just put me on the bench and adjust it. He goes, no, I got to put you on this ball. I need you to take this ball home. I want you to roll around this ball every day for two weeks and you come back and I'll, I go, what are you, my neck hurts. He goes, yeah, but it's your core that's out of shape. And he said, if I put your neck back in, your core is so out of shape that you'll begin to hunch over again and put that back out of place because down on the core of who you are, you're not in very good shape. So he puts me on, and then he tells me, never mind, I'm going to get myself in trouble real quick here. See, God doesn't want to just fix what's the pain in your neck. He wants to, you to discover the core of who you, is the metaphor working? Why doesn't God do what I told him? Why didn't he do what I expected? This is not what I wanted. Let me tell you why. He's not your errand boy. <laughs> and the angel sits down beside him, and the angel's watching this fool beat wheat in a wine press. And the angel says, yeah, God's doing to you what you're doing to the wheat. You're trying to get fruit out of the wheat. In a wine press, it's made to get great, uh, wine out of a grape, and God's doing to you with the Amalekites what you're doing to the wheat. See, God will put us through things in time that will reveal who He is. God will put us through things in time to reveal that eternity is hidden inside of us. God will do things in time and space and circumstances that will reveal the core or the fruit of the Spirit of the One that's on the inside. And when He gets down to the core values, he'll sit there and go, you mighty man of war. You thought you were a farmer, but I made you to be a fighter. You thought you were a gardener, and I made you to be a warrior. Everything you've thought about yourself has limited you to who you really are. But those Amalekites, I'll use them to help you discover that you're bigger than who you are. Amen. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Yeah. Uh, am, I, am I scratching down on the surface that that problem that you got, God is using to help you discover who you were before you ever had that problem? See, God wants you to discover that there is eternity in you. That the God of eternity steps into time and reveals himself on a cross so that you can understand he steps into your life so that you can know you're more than what you think you are. And only one person in this room will it take to discover and to remember who you are. And you'll be able to save the rest of us. You'll be able to save people around you. Because see, this whole salvific message was never about the individual. It was about all of us. 
So in American Christianity today, it's all about my personal relationship with the Lord. I'm going to heaven when I die. That's not even the truth. The truth is, is if one person in here discovers they are a friend of God, I chose you to be a friend, not a servant. If one person realizes they are a friend with the one that lives in eternity, they can bring all of eternity to bear in this time because they're a friend of God. <laughs> one person in here who discovers who they really are will stop trying to change everybody else and bring them into the standard of their own religious setting and simply befriend another one so that you can discover who you are in Christ. Go in the strength that you have and it will save Israel. Gideon, I have prepared you to kill the Midianites and the Amalekites. You're not a farmer. You're a warrior. Take the limit off of. Don't see yourself the way they see you. Don't let the circumstances around you dictate who you think you are. How many of you could say, if I only knew who I was, I'd have never done that. How many of you right now, if you just knew who you were, you could get out of the pit that you're in? If you just will hear one thing this preacher's saying, you can get out of that pit that you're in. You can get out of that pit they dug for you. I, I think I can hear Daniel going, the lions sleep tonight. I think I can hear Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah saying, the fire couldn't touch me. I think I can hear Jeremiah going, there is balm in Gilead. I think I can hear Lazarus go, it couldn't hold me. Are you listening? God puts people in time and uses the circumstances of life for them to remember who they are. And when they remember who they are, then all of who God is comes to the surface and everybody begins to see who God is. Because who God is and who you are are so interconnected. The two are one. So all the stuff is about helping you remember who you are. Maybe, maybe close with this. I think that what keeps people stuck in those moments is they listen to their feelings. And feelings will lie to you. Feelings will deceive you. Because feelings come out of the experiences that you've had in this time and space continuum. And so all you can feel is what's happened to you in this physical existence. You can't trust those feelings. You've got to move past those feelings and hear the voice of the one. Am I making sense? You're going to have to move beyond that to hear the voices that come out of eternity. I actually think that's why the Father's house exists. I think the Father's house exists so that you can come into this room and I can say you're the head, not the tail. 
above and not below. Blessed coming in and blessed going out. No weapon formed against you will stand nor prosper whatever you lay your hands on. The words that you speak are life and death. You can move mountains. Actually, I think the Father's house is here to be in the middle of a place that is so full of religious if this then that's. I actually think that's why. I heard that. I can hear. I can hear things. People are. Anyway. Yeah, but I'm 65. Well, tell that to Colonel Sanders and every Kentucky Fried Chicken that you drive by. Because on Social Security at 65, he changed the world of chicken. said and I close with it for such a time as this this is your time Father's house this is your time people in the midst of this time you can remember who you were before and if you remember who you were before you'll know who you will be after but it's your choice you have to choose the stories that you tell yourself. You can tell you your stories that are compressed in time, or you can tell your story that's eternal. And whatever story you choose to tell yourself, that's who you are. And that's who you'll be. Father, I pray this morning the words of my mouth will in some way have penetrated those that are hiding in the wine press. I pray this morning that while they've been beating the wheat to try to get a little sandwich, that they would realize that you yourself are working in them, that they might remember who they are, that they might know where you are. And the Lord, the two might be meshed together in such a way that you, O oh God, would be seen in and through our lives. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.